0: The Seagull Project presents Cloud Castle Lake by Vladimir Nabokov, as read by Rob Burgess. You can find more stories from the Great Souls podcast wherever you found this. My representatives, a modest, mild bachelor, very efficient, happened to win a pleasure trip at a charity ball given by Russian refugees. That was in 1936 or 1937. The Berlin summer was in full flood. It was the second week of damp and cold, so that it was a pity to look at everything which had turned green and vain, and only the sparrows kept cheerful. He did not care to go anywhere, but when he tried to sell his ticket at the office of the Bureau of Pleasant Trips, he was told that to do so he would have to have special permission from the Ministry of Transportation. When he tried them, it turned out that first he would have to draw up a complicated petition at a notary's on stamped paper, and besides, a so-called certificate of non-absence from the city for the summertime had to be obtained from the police.' So he sighed a little and decided to go. He borrowed an aluminum flask from friends, repaired his soles, bought a belt and a fancy-style flannel shirt, one of those cowardly things which shrink in the first wash. Incidentally, it was too large for that likable little man. (laughs) His hair always neatly trimmed, his eyes so intelligent and kind. I, I cannot remember his name at the moment. Oh I think it was Vasily Ivanovitch. He slept badly the night before the departure. And why? Because he had to get up unusually early, and hence took along into his dreams the delicate face of the watch ticking on his night table. But mainly because that very night, for no reason at all, he began to imagine that this trip thrust upon him by a feminine fate in a low cut gown, this trip "'which he had accepted so reluctantly "'would bring him some wonderful, tremulous happiness. "'This happiness would have something in common with his childhood, "'and with the excitement aroused in him by Russian lyrical poetry, "'and with some evening skyline once seen in a dream, "'and with that lady, another man's wife, "'whom he had hopelessly loved for seven years. "'But it would be even fuller and more significant than all that.' "'and besides, he felt that the really good life "'must be oriented towards something or someone. "'The morning was dull, but steam-warm and close, "'with an inner sun, and it was quite pleasant "'to rattle in a streetcar to the distant railway station "'where the gathering place was. "'Several people, alas, were taking part in the excursion. "'Who would they be, these drowsy beings, "'drowsy as seem, all creatures still unknown to us?' By window number six at seven a.m., as was indicated in the directions appended to the ticket, he saw them. They were already waiting. He had managed to be late by about three minutes. A lanky, blond young man in Tyrolese garb stood out at once. He was burned the color of a coxcomb, had huge brick-red knees with golden hairs, and his nose looked lacquered. He was the leader, furnished by the Bureau, and as soon as the newcomer had joined the group, which consisted of four women and as many men, he led it off toward a train lurking behind other trains, carrying his monstrous knapsack with terrifying ease and firmly clanking with his hobnailed boots. Everyone found a place in an empty car, unmistakably third class, and Vasily Ivanovich, having sat down by himself and put a peppermint into his mouth, immediately opened a little volume of Chuchef, whom he had long intended to reread, but he was requested to put the book aside and join the group. An elderly bespectacled post-office clerk, with skull, chin, and upper lip a bristly blue, as if he had shaved off some extraordinarily luxuriant and tough growth, especially for this trip, immediately announced that he had been to Russia, and knew some Russian, for instance— Potz Louis and recalling philanderings and Saritzen, winked in such a manner that his fat wife sketched out in the air the preface of a backhand box on the ear. The company was getting noisy. Four employees of the same building firm were tossing each other heavyweight jokes. A middle aged man, Schultz, a younger man, Schultz, also, and two fidgety young women with big mouths and big rumps. The red-headed, rather burlesque widow in a sports skirt knew something, too, about Russia, the Riga Beaches. There was also a dark young man by the name of Shram, with lusterless eyes and a vague, velvety vileness about his person and manners, who constantly switched the conversation to this or that attractive aspect of the excursion, and who gave the first signal for rapturous appreciation. "'He was, as it turned out later, "'a special stimulator for the Bureau of Pleasant Trips. "'The locomotive, working rapidly with its elbows, "'hurried through a pine forest, "'then, with relief, among fields. "'Only dimly realizing as yet "'all the absurdity and horror of the situation, "'and perhaps attempting to persuade himself "'that everything was very nice, Ivanovitch contrived to enjoy "'the fleeting gifts of the road.' "'And indeed, how enticing it all is! "'What charm the world acquires "'when it is wound up and moving like a merry-go-round?' "'The burning sun crept toward a corner of the window "'and suddenly spilled over the yellow bench. "'The badly-pressed shadow of the car "'sped madly along the grassy bank "'where flowers blended into colored streaks. "'A crossing!' A cyclist was waiting, one foot resting on the ground. Trees appeared in groups and singly, revolving coolly and blandly, displaying the latest fashions. The blue dampness of a ravine, a memory of love disguised as a meadow, wispy clouds, greyhounds of heaven. Oh, we both, Vasily Ivanovich and I, have... Always been impressed by the anonymity of all the parts of a landscape, so dangerous for the soul, the impossibility of ever finding out where that path you see leads. And look, what a tempting thicket! It happened that on a distant slope or in a gap in the trees there would appear and, as it were, stop for an instant, like air retained in the lungs, a spot so enchanting, a lawn, a terrace, such perfect expression of tender, well-meaning beauty, that it seemed that if one could stop the train and go thither forever, to you, my love, but a thousand beech trunks were already madly leaping by, whirling in a sizzling sun pool, and again the chance for happiness was gone. At the stations, Vasily Ivanovitch would look at the configuration of some entirely insignificant objects— a smear on the platform, a cherry stone, a cigarette butt, and would say to himself that never, never would he remember these three little things here in that particular interrelation, this pattern which he could now see with such deathless precision. Or again, looking at a group of children, waiting for a train, he would try with all his might to single out at least one remarkable destiny— in the form of a violin, or a crown, a propeller, or a mandolin, and would gaze until the whole party of village schoolboys appeared as on an old photograph, now reproduced with a little white cross above the face of the last boy on the right, the hero's childhood. But one could look out the window only by snatches, all had been given sheet music with verses from the Bureau. Stop that worrying and moping, take a knotted stick and rise. Come a-tramping in the open with the good, the hearty guys. Tramp your country's grass and stubble with the good, the hearty guys. Kill the hermit and his trouble, and to hell with doubts and sighs. In a paradise of heather, where the field mouse screams and dies, let us march and sweat together with the steel and leather guys. "'This was to be sung in chorus. Vasily Ivanovich, who not only could not sing, "'but could not even pronounce German words clearly, "'took advantage of the drowning roar of mingling voices "'and merely opened his mouth while swaying slightly, "'as if he were really singing. "'But the leader, at a sign from the subtle shram, "'suddenly stopped the general singing, "'and squinting askance at Vasily Ivanovich, "'demanded that he sing solo.' Vasily Ivanovich cleared his throat, throat) timidly began, and after a minute of solitary torment, all joined in, but he did not dare thereafter to drop out. He had with him his favorite cucumber from the Russian store, a loaf of bread, and three eggs— When evening came, and the low crimson sun entered wholly the soiled seasick car, stunned by its own din, all were invited to hand over their provisions, in order to divide them evenly. This was particularly easy, as all, except Vasily Ivanovich, had the same things. The cucumber amused everybody, was pronounced inedible, and was thrown out of the window— "'In view of the insufficiency of his contribution, Vasily Ivanovitch got a smaller portion of sausage. "'He was made to play cards. "'They pulled him about, questioned him, "'verified whether he could show the route of the trip on the map. "'In a word, all busied themselves with him, "'at first good-naturedly, then with malevolence, "'which grew with the approach of night. "'Both girls were called Greta,' The red-headed widow somehow resembled the rooster leader. Schramm, Schultz, and the other Schultz, the post office clerk and his wife, all gradually melted together, merged together, forming one collective wobbly many-handed being from which one could not escape. It pressed upon him from all sides. But suddenly, at some station, all climbed out, and it was already dark. Although in the west there still hung a very long, very pink cloud, and "'Farther along the track, with a soul-piercing light, "'the star of a lamp trembled through the slow smoke of the engine, "'and crickets chirped in the dark, "'and from somewhere there came the odour of jasmine and hay, my love.' "'They spent the night in a tumble-down inn. "'A mature bed-bug is awful, "'but there's a certain grace in the motions of silky wood-lice. "'The post-office clerk was separated from his wife, "'who was put with the widow.' He was given to Vasily Ivanovitch for the night. The two beds took up the whole room, quilt on top, chamber pots below. The clerk said that somehow he did not feel sleepy and began to talk of his Russian adventures rather more circumstantially than in the trade. He was a great bully of a man, thorough and obstinate, clad in long cotton drawers with mother-of-pearl claws on his dirty toes and bear's fur between fat breasts. A moth dashed about the ceiling, hobnobbing with its shadow. In Saritzen, the clerk was saying, there are now three schools, a German, a Czech, and a Chinese one. At any rate, that is what my brother-in-law says. (laughs) He went there to build tractors. Next day, from early morning to five o'clock in the afternoon, they raised dust along a highway, which undulated from hill to hill. Then they took a green road through a dense fir wood. Vasily Ivanovich, as the least burdened, was given an enormous round loaf of bread to carry under his arm. How I hate you, our daily! But still his precious experienced eyes noted what was necessary. Against the background of a fir tree gloom, a dry needle was hanging vertically on an invisible thread. Again they piled into a train, and again the small partitionless car was empty. The other Schultz began to teach Vasily Ivanovich how to play the mandolin. There was much laughter. When they got tired of that, they thought up a capital game, which was supervised by Shram. It consisted of the following. The women would lie down on the benches they chose, under which the men were already hidden, and when from under one of the benches there would emerge a ruddy face with the ears, or a big outspread hand with a skirt-lifting curve of the fingers, which would provoke much squealing, then it would be revealed who was paired off with whom. Three times Vasily Ivanovich lay down in filthy darkness, and three times it turned out that there was no one on the bench when he crawled out from under. He was acknowledged the loser, and was forced to eat a cigarette butt. "'They spent the night on straw mattresses in a barn, "'and early in the morning set out again on foot. "'Furs, ravines, foamy streams. "'From the heat, from the songs which one had to constantly bawl, Vasily Ivanovich became so exhausted "'that during the midday halt he fell asleep at once "'and awoke only when they began to slap "'at imaginary horseflies on him. "'But after another hour of marching,' That very happiness of which he had once half-dreamt was suddenly discovered. It was a pure blue lake with an unusual expression of its water. In the middle, a large cloud was reflected in its entirety. On the side, on a hill thickly covered with verdure, and the darker the verdure, the more poetic it is, towered, arising from dactyl to dactyl, an ancient black castle. Of course there are plenty of such views in central europe but just this one in the inexpressible and unique harmoniousness of its three principal parts in its smile in some mysterious innocence it had my love my obedient one was something so unique and so familiar and so long promised and it so understood the beholder that vasily ivanovich even pressed his hand to his heart as if to see whether his heart was there in order to give it away at some distance shram poking into the air with the leader's alpenstock was calling the attention of the excursionists to something or other they had settled themselves around on the grass in poses seen in amateur snapshots while the leader sat on a stump his behind to the lake and was having a snack "'Quietly concealing himself in his own shadow, Vasily Ivanovich followed the shore "'and came to a kind of inn. "'A dog, still quite young, greeted him. "'It crept on its belly, its jaws laughing, "'its tail fervently beating the ground. Vasily Ivanovich accompanied the dog into the house, "'a piebald two-story dwelling "'with a winking window beneath a convex, tiled eyelid, "'and he found the owner.' a tall old man vaguely resembling a Russian war veteran who spoke German so poorly and with such a soft drawl that Vasily Ivanovich changed to his own tongue. But the man understood his inner dream and continued in the language of his environment, his family. Upstairs was a room for travelers. You know, I shall take it for the rest of my life. Vasily Ivanovich is reported to have said as soon as he had entered it. The room itself had nothing remarkable about it. On the contrary, it was a most ordinary room, with a red floor, daisies daubed on the white walls, and a small mirror half filled with the yellow infusion of the reflected flowers. But from the window, one could clearly see the lake, with its cloud and its castle, in a motionless and perfect correlation of happiness. Without reasoning, without considering, only entirely surrendering to an attraction the truth of which consisted in its own strength, a strength which he had never experienced before, Vasily Ivanovitch, in one radiant second, realized that here, in this little room, with that view beautiful to the verge of tears, life would at last be what he had always wished it to be. What exactly it would be like, what what would take place here, that of course he did not know, but all around him were help, promise, and consolation, so that there could be no doubt that he must live here. In a moment, he figured out how he would manage it so as not to have to return to Berlin again, how to get the few possessions that he had, books, the blue suit, her photograph. Oh, how simple it was turning out! As my representative, he was earning enough for the modest life of a refugee Russian. "'My friends!' he cried, having run down again to the meadow by the shore. "'My friends! good "'I shall remain for good in that house over there. "'We can't travel any longer. "'I shall go no farther. "'I am not going anywhere. "'Good-bye!' How is that?' said the leader in a queer voice after a short pause, during which the smile on the lips of Vasily Ivanovich slowly faded, while the people who had been sitting on the grass half-rose and stared at him with stony eyes. But why, I, he faltered, it is here that... Silence! The post office clerk suddenly bellowed with an extraordinary force. Come to your senses, you drunken swine! Wait the moment, gentlemen said the leader, and having passed his tongue over his lips, he turned to Vasily Ivanovich. "'You probably have been drinking,' he said quietly, "'or have gone out of your mind. "'You are taking a pleasure trip with us. hmm? "'Tomorrow, according to the appointed itinerary, (laughs) "'look at your ticket. "'We are all returning to Berlin.' "'There can be no question of anyone in this case.' "'You refusing to continue this communal journey. "'We were singing today a certain song. "'Try and remember what it said.' "'That's enough now. "'Come, children. "'We are going on.' "'There will be beer at Ewald,' said Schramm in a caressing voice. Five hours by train. "'Hikes, a hunting lodge, coal mines, lots of interesting things.' I shall complain, wailed Vasily Ivanovitch. Give me back my bag. I have the right to remain where I want. Oh, but this is nothing less than an invitation to a beheading. He told me he cried when they seized him by the arms. If necessary, we shall carry you, said the leader grimly. But that is not likely to be pleasant for you. I am responsible for each of you and shall bring back each of you alive or dead. Swept along a forest road as in a hideous fairy tale, squeezed, twisted, Vasily Ivanovich could not even turn around and only felt how the radiance behind his back receded, fractured by trees, and then it was no longer there, and all around the dark firs fretted but could not interfere. As soon as everyone had got into the car and the train pulled out, they began to beat him, They beat him a long time, and with a good deal of inventiveness. It occurred to them, among other things, to use a corkscrew on his palms, then on his feet. The post-office clerk, who had been to Russia, fashioned a knout out of a stick and a belt, and began to use it with devilish dexterity. at a boy! The other men relied more on their iron heels, whereas the women were satisfied to pinch and slap. All had a wonderful time. After returning to Berlin, he called on me, was much changed, sat down quietly, putting his hands on his knees, told his story, kept on repeating that he must resign his position, begged me to let him go, insisted that he could not continue, that he had not the strength to belong to mankind any longer. Of course, I let him go.